Chapter 6 With Shay you gone and my tapestry done, the rest of summer lumbered by. Lessons with my tutors resumed. The lectures on history, protocol, and language were tiresome, but I preferred them to sewing. I preferred anything to sewing. Whenever I could, I made excuses to avoid my lessons. Harmless little lies, like telling my tutors that Andahai needed my help selecting a gift for his betrothed, or telling the high priest that I couldn't pay my respects to the gods that afternoon because Hasha was ill and needed me to make him soup. But the truth was, my brothers were always busy, and no one ever asked for me, not even Rikama. For once I didn't mind, and I used my precious free time to spy on my stepmother. After weeks of shadowing her, of sending Kiki to spy, all I learned was her palace routine, and what a monotonous routine it was. Breakfast with my father, then morning prayers, then a visit to her garden where she fed her snakes and watered the chrysanthemums and swept the fallen wisteria petals. Then, worst of all, she sewed for hours without end. With a frustrated sigh, I flung a pebble into the sacred lake and watched the water ripple. Then still, I sat and sank my ankles into the lake. She can't be a sorceress, Kiki, I told my bird. Ray Kamal has always hated magic. Hated was an understatement, though. I had never dwelled, dwelled on why... Most people in Kyoto hated magic, but Rekama's mysterious past did, did invite plenty of outlandish rumors about where she had come from, how she had met father, and, now he, and how she'd gotten her scar. Her fondness for snakes certainly didn't help the speculation. Once a minister had tried to convince father that Rekama was a demon worshipper, one of those heretical priestesses who came by the palace every year throwing ashes at the gates and chanting nonsense about dark magic returning to Kyoto. Father had exiled the minister and banned the priestesses from Jindara, but now I couldn't help wondering. Could it be that Rekama hated magic push because she was hiding her own? I frowned. She would have shown it by now. Seiryu has to be wrong. Try again tomorrow, Kiki suggested. The dragon said she keeps her powers hidden. He also said to practice my magic, I retorted. Every hour I waste spying on her is a missed opportunity to improve my skills. So is every minute you waste complaining, quipped Kiki, my unlikely voice of reason. I let out another sigh, but the bird had a point. Ripen, I said to a budding berry, and it became plump enough that a kite bird dove to snatch it from my hand. Skip, I commanded a stone, and it hopped across the lake until it was far from sight. Such spells were easy, but things like ch trying to change the direction of the wind or call the larks and swallows to my fingertips. Simple enchantments that should have been natural for any sorceress made me fall asleep from the effort. It's all right to feel bad about your lack of skill, Kiki said, trying to soothe me. Her sense of empathy was still a ways from being fine-tuned. At least you can do something, unlike everyone else in Kyoto. Except Rekama. I flicked my fingertips into the lake, trying to make a tidal wave like Sarah you had, but the water barely rippled. You don't want to ask her for help? I'd rather drown in the sacred lake, I retorted. That's a bit dramatic, isn't it? Kiki chided. When I sighed again, she poked at my cheek. Why so despondent, Shiori? It didn't have to do with Rekama, not really. I had the rest of the summer to find out her secret. I was only in a rush because I was bored. My brothers taught me to swim in this lake, I finally replied. We'd laugh so loudly we'd scare the ducks away, and a high would pretend to be an octopus and attack us if we couldn't swim fast enough. I miss those times. I don't want us all to marry, to grow up, and grow apart. My brothers hadn't so much as asked for me this summer. Andahai and Benkai were always in hushed meetings with father and generals and ambassadors. One day was immersed in his books. Yotan was popular in court and constantly out with his friends, and Reiji and Hasha were currently engaged in a chess rivalry that allowed time for nothing else. As I pulled my feet out of the lake, the wind pushed the current towards me. It was growing stronger, a sign that autumn was drawing near. I raised my arms, basking in the rush of cool air as it slipped into my sleeves. No matter how many joyful memories I conjured up, no matter how loudly I shouted, I should not get the wind to listen. 
How about that, Kiki suggested, pointing her wing at something floating in the lake. Why don't you tell the wind to blow it toward you? I squinted. What could that be? Glittering under a raft of moss and seaweed. I scrambled along the shore and grabbed the longest branch I could find. Then I fished out the last thing I expected to see again. My sash, I exclaimed. It was the one I had worn when I jumped into the lake. The very one Rikama had asked me about. Its golden threads were soaked, and the floral pattern was smeared with dirt, and the threads were tangled with moss, but it was otherwise intact. I wrung it out, my thoughts churning. After spying on Rikama for weeks, I was half convinced Saryu was out of his dragon mind for thinking she was a sorceress. At least I'd find out why she'd wanted this silly sash. Impulsiveness and curiosity, two of my fairest traits, had me bursting into her sewing room, waving it like a soldier's banner. Stepmother, I said, displaying the damp and crumpled sash, you wish to see this? Rikama barely looked up from her embroidery, only because it was a gift from Lord Yuji. You've already offended one family, Shiori, best not to insult another. She nodded her thread, then snipped it with a pair of scissors. Have the maids clean it along with the rest of your things. I turned to leave, and I would have thought nothing more of the instant, if not for the shadow that swept by Kama's face. Ever so subtly, a faint but unmistakable ring of gold flickered in her eyes. The next morning, my sash was missing. Her radiance wanted it, responded Guaya when I asked. She was staring at the floor, which was wise, considering that I was gaping at her in disbelief. So you gave it to her? I exclaimed. Guaya hunched her shoulders, trembling like a mouse. No, no, princess, her radiance... Her radiance took it. Perhaps you'd like a red one? She held up a richly wrapped bundle. This just arrived from Lord Yuji. I dashed off before she could finish. By now I knew my stepmother's schedule by heart, and she'd be in her garden. Perfect, since I knew all the ways to slip inside unnoticed. I didn't venture deep. I was too daunted by the snakes. Sometimes I heard father's chancellors gossiping about them. How the vipers were poisonous, some of them so deadly that a touch could kill. The memory of their scales against my skin still made me shudder. Carefully, I towed off my slippers and held them under my arms as I waded into the shallowest part of Rekama's pond. There I hid under the rock bridge, crouching so long that my knees quivered and the fish, thinking I was a lily pad, came to nibble at my toes. After what felt like an eternity, Rekama arrived. As soon as the guards closed the garden gate, she removed a ball of scarlet thread from within her robes. It looked almost like a red sun, except for the leaves clinging to its fibers. I expected her to start talking to the snakes lounging on the footbridge near the wisteria trees, as she always did, or tending to her prized plot of moon orchids, the picture of which she often embroidered on her fans and shawls. Instead, she lifted her skirts to her knees and raised the thread above her head. "'Take me to the tears of Amirian,' she commanded. The ball trembled, emitting a wash of reddish light as it bounced out of her hand into the pond. Rikama waited at the edge of the pond. Its water had begun spinning furiously parting to reveal a path at the center and a staircase below. Swiftly, my stepmother descended. I started after her, but serpents hissed, dropping from the trees and rising to block me. Alarm washed over me, and I gasped, freezing mid-step. They were everywhere, some in dazzling colors I'd never seen before, turquoise and violet and sapphire. Others were black as night, with scarlet stripes or ivory with brown speckles, but their fangs were all the same, curved like tiny daggers, their pupils menacing sil slivers. They surrounded me the same way they had all those years ago. Shiori, Kiki called from the stairs. If you don't hurry, we'll lose her. The water was starting to rush back over the stairs, but I'd still have to cross the snakes lingering on them. Fear is just a game, Shiori, I reminded myself. You win by playing. I tugged my slippers back on and charged toward the stairs. More snakes dropped from the trees, plopping onto the water, but I didn't look back. Darkness caved over me, and I followed the glimmer of light down the stairs until I emerged on the other side. It had to be magic that brought me out into the woods, far beyond the palace gardens. In fact, I couldn't even see the palace, only the holy mountains, so close they obscured the sky. 
If I was truly in one of the mountain forests, I was far from home indeed, but how I would get back was the least of my concerns. Kiki tore into the trees, her fragile paper wings dancing in an invisible gust of summer wind. Far ahead, I could see the ball of thread bouncing through the thickets, its brilliant light painting the trees red. I ran as fast as I could, following Rekama deeper and deeper into the forest, until abruptly she stopped. Kiki bit my hair, pulling me behind a tree. The ball had become a dirt hole, full of twigs and leaves. It no longer trembled or glowed. My stepmother set aside her sandals and removed the brass pin that held her hair in its signature coil. As her raven tresses tumbled down her back, she rubbed her temples. A streak of white hair appeared. I frowned. That had never been there before, not on the ageless queen. Kneeling beside the dirt hole, she rolled up her sleeves and slowly loosened the layers of her robes until her shoulders were bare. A light shone in her chest, dim at first, then it grew brighter until I had to shield my eyes. In Rekama's heart gleamed a broken orb, fractured in the center, like a moon cleaved in two. It was beautiful regardless, its surface dark as the night sky, yet its light as dazzling as dawn unfolding over the ocean, mesmerizing to behold. That's it, I breathed. The source of her magic. Wonderful. Now let's leave, Kiki pleaded. We've seen enough. Not yet, I whispered, waving her away as I started to climb the tree. I needed to see more. Water bubbled up from the center of the hole. A minute ago, it had been dry. Where was the water coming from? I leaned closer, riveted. This was no ordinary pool. The water was opaque and held no reflection. Could it truly be the tears of Emirian, the tears that the goddess of fate was said to have shed as she fell from the heavens to earth? The gods had destroyed all such pools. My golden sash lay over Rekama's arm, its slender cord undone. As she steeped it into the water, she spoke in a language I did not recognize. It was more rhythmic, the words lithing and round. Her voice sounded gentler, and for some reason, that made goosebumps rise on my skin. Do you understand what she's saying? I whispered to Kiki. It sounds like a spell, a perilous one. Kiki stabbed her beak at my cheek when I leaned closer. Careful, Shiori. Gods, didn't anyone teach you that it's always the curious bird that gets eaten by the fox? She moaned. If only I'd been born to a more sensible sorceress. Since when are you so worried about your lifespan, I retorted. No fox will want you. You're made of paper. Yes, but if you die, I die. So of course I worry about you. You'd dive into a fire if it meant getting answers. I see. You only care about me out of self-interest. Naturally, a bird like me doesn't form unnecessary attachments. Ignoring her, I squinted at the tears of a murian. Within the pool, ribbons of crimson streamed out of my sash like blood. As they wove through Rekama's fingers, my stepmother's voice changed. Venom dripped from it, her tone harsh and deep. And a high, she rasped. Before my eyes, the ribbons in the water took on the shape of the crown prince, so lifelike that I flinched. I pursed my lips, suddenly missing my brothers, even Andahai. He could be dull and pig-headed, but if he ruled with Kiata with half the care he gave us six siblings, our country would see its brightest days yet. Then as Rikama spoke their names, the rest of my brothers appeared one by one in the pool. Benkai, tall and graceful, the brother I admired the most. He was the most patient of us, but that didn't mean he always listened. Reiji. He rarely smiled, and he spoke without thinking, not caring if his words stung. But if Hasho could put up with him, he couldn't be all bad. The waters continued to swirl, and I tried to shape myself out of whatever enchantment Rekama must be casting. But she had not finished. There were still four children left. Yotan, the brother I counted on to say my bowl was half full and not half empty. The brother who put cicada husks on my pillow to make me scream and spiked my tea with enough chili to make me cry, who always made me laugh. One day, the quiet one, who loved books more than people and would bury himself in it if Yotan didn't remind him to eat and sleep. His inventions were a sort of magic in themselves. Hasho, my, conf my confident, 
The gentlest, though he liked to tease me, who even the birds and butterflies trusted. Finally came my name, Shiori. I lurched out of my daze. The ribbons turned black, clouding the water in the pool. Serpents, seven of them, more shadow than flesh, surfaced and swam to Rekama. Kiki shot back into my sleeve. Now, Shiori, we need to leave. Now! I heard my bird's warning, but I couldn't move. I was transfixed by the snakes. They slithered up my stepmother, climbing her back and draping themselves over her neck. Shiori, they whispered. Die, Shiori. I had seen and heard enough. I scooted back off the tree branch and was beginning to scuttle down when I saw my stepmother's profile. Her eyes were yellow as serpents, and in place of her smooth skin, scales glistened as white as winter's first snow. I gasped and missed a holding, fell off the tree with a hard thud. Rekama spun. Who's there? she called, covering her heart with her hand. Show yourself. Demons take me. I dove into the bushes. The leaves browned and wilted under my fingers, fear and nervousness making me unable to control my own magic. I dared not even breathe, but my heart pulsed wildly in my chest. Eternal quartz, I prayed that it would not give me away. Show yourself, Rekama said again, standing. I hardly recognized her with her hair swirling about in an inky mass and her tongue flicking out of her mouth, thin and forked. My stepmother was no sorceress. She was a monster. In horror, I peeled away from my hiding place and began racing back, but an endless forest surrounded me. I didn't know which way was home. It didn't matter, so long as Rekama didn't find me. Someone grabbed my arm from behind. Shiori, my stepmother hissed. I was too shocked to struggle. The shadowy serpents over her shoulder had vanished. Her face had gone back to normal, too, but the ivory gleam of her scales still spun in my memory, making me dizzy. Kiki flew, slapping my stepmother with her wings, but Rekama batted her away with a powerful swing. Kiki, I cried as my bird disappeared from view. You shouldn't be here, Rekama said angrily. Look at me when I speak to you, Shiori. I glanced up into her eyes. They glowed in a way I'd never seen before. Luminous and gold, so mesmerizing I could not look away. Forget everything you've seen here. You are exhausted. It was all a dream. A wave of fatigue washed over me. My mouth stretched into a yawn, my vision swimming in and out. Then I stopped, blinked. I wasn't tired, and I hadn't forgotten why I was here. My stepmother's lips dipped into a scowl. She grabbed my shoulder. Forget everything you've seen, she repeated, her voice deep and sonorous. The water in the pool behind us rippled as she spoke. Forget it and never speak of it. No, I whispered. No, let me go. Let me go. I wrestled out of her hold, managing only a few steps before she caught me again. Her strength, like her speed, shocked me. She, she easily lifted me off my feet, her long nails wrapping around my sleeves. She held me up until my brown eyes were level with her yellow ones, and I screamed. Kiki returned, diving to bite my stepmother's cheek. A scarlet gash pierced Rekama's skin. As she yelled out, I scrambled away, grabbing the ball of thread from her hand at the last second. I ran from the forest. I'd seen all I needed to. My father had married a demon.